today on Ag News Daily. I was a little perplexed, uh, Delaney, why we gapped higher to begin Sunday night. There was really nothing new out there. I mean, we knew the hot and dry temperatures that were going to bake the Midwest here for the next three or four days. Listeners, uh, Market Monday, August 21st, 2023. This episode is brought to you by the Farm Smart Podcast. Subscribe now at nutrientagsolutions.com slash farmsmart. Ready to go, Delaney? I'm ready, Tanner. It was a hot one this weekend, and it's going to be a hot one again for much of the Corn Belt this week. Yes, it is. We've got some hot news today. Nonetheless, just to share, it seems like a large portion of the country right now is under an excessive heat warning. Much of the Midwest, Minnesota to the Mexican border, from northern Colorado into Ohio, the entire state of Iowa is under excessive heat warning with temperatures as high as 115 degrees. Central Illinois set to hit 117. Heat indexes in Oklahoma and northwestern Arkansas could hit 100 and 20 degrees. The triple-digit temperatures providing excessive heat warnings obviously pose a lot of risk to those that are working outside, but we continue to see some interesting weather hit our western coast. The powerful system Hillary is moving through the western United States, where 16 million people from Southern California northward into Idaho are under flood watches. The storm is now a post-tropical cyclone, is ongoing, and will carry historic amounts of rainfall. Schools have been shut down. Hillary is now 115 miles northwest of Elko, Nevada, and is moving north about 24 miles per hour. They're still looking at what the potential for the storm could be, but also, Delaney, Southern California residents felt a magnitude 5.1 earthquake this weekend so lots of things happening around the u.s yeah absolutely i I did not even realize the hurricane was slated to hit the west coast until i saw a headline over the weekend so certainly going to be an interesting time for those folks tanner but it's going to be an interesting week for folks to be out on the pro farmer crop tour that's underway as of today folks in both the Eastern and Western Corn Belt are checking out yields in some key corn growing and soybean growing states center, and they're going to have a hot one to be out in the fields. Early yields, however, in Ohio and in the Dakotas are looking fairly healthy, according to some early reports we're getting both on Twitter, Tanner, as well as on uh, Pro Farmer. Folks are saying everything is looking pretty good in the state of Ohio, according to Pro Farmers editor Brian Greedy, as of this morning, who is leading the eastern leg of the tour. He said, as of this morning, they were seeing pretty good yields for corn and soybeans on the stops they had made as of this morning. And it sounds like yields were looking pretty good, Tanner, also on the western leg as well, hosted by or led by Chip Flory. He said he's anticipating seeing some struggles in the dryland crop areas in Nebraska and potentially other western portions of the uh, Iowa, but we'll hopefully hear more news from the Pro Farmer Crop Tour on the ground later this week. And you can also follow along with them on Twitter at hashtag PFTour23, Tanner. Yeah, it'll be interesting to get those results. We also see in the aftermath of another devastating fire, Bayer will step to the table and donate $500,000 to support Maui community victims. 
In the aftermath of the fire we reported on last week, Bayer states that they are grateful to be a part of the Maui community. They are fully committed to providing the support during this unprecedented times. The pledge is to help not only immediate relief, but also contribute to the sustained recovery and revitalization of the island. The Health for All, Hunger for None Foundation of Bayer will contribute $500,000 in relief efforts, a cash donation of $250,000 alongside the donation of healthcare products valued at an additional $250,000. This donation underscores Bayer's dedication to the addressing crucial needs of the community and the company's crop science employees at their four farms on Maui during this unimaginable time. So the donation will focus on key areas of support, increasing access to food for those who are displaced and continuing to assess the needs of the community going forward. So we'll continue to keep an eye on other ag companies that will step forth and help those recovering on the island. Tanner, we are going to be kicking off a series of hearings here for the carbon pipeline, specifically Summit Carbon Solutions. They start their month-long, really, journey of trials and hearings starting tomorrow, Tuesday, in Fort Dodge, Iowa. The Iowa Utilities Board will start those hearings tomorrow after it moved up initial hearing dates for Summit. But so far, the IUB has not laid out their entire hearing schedule for the project, Tanner, but it's expected to include dozens of landowners, folks both in support and in opposition of Summit's uh, carbon pipeline project. And it's going to be really interesting to hear some of the feedback coming out of those hearings, Tanner, because I would be willing to bet there might be some portions that are going to be pretty contentious. Yeah, it's interesting. We've already seen some headlines come out. It looks like the Iowa Utilities Board's already asked them to reveal financial aspects of the agreements with ethanol plants. So it seems like as these hearings take place, request for uh, data and information will be uh, forthcoming. Two attorneys for two different groups seek to verify the economic claims that Summit has proposed that their carbon dioxide pipeline will bring to the state of Iowa. So the Iowa Utilities Board stated that they must reveal those financial aspects. These agreements with ethanol plants will share whether or not these critical timing related provisions and the claims as to the revenue for the state of Iowa and the ethanol industry will be made factual. So due to them needing to be a fact finding portion of this case, Delaney, Summit has been asked, technically will be required to turn over this information as a part of the hearings. Mm, I hadn't seen that piece of news, Tanner, so I'm glad you grabbed that for our listeners' attention. But Tanner, next week, folks are going to be also headed out to the Farm Progress Show, so hopefully some cooler temperatures will be heading your way as you head to Decatur, Illinois. But companies are gearing up for that show ahead of that time, Tanner, and I think there's going to be a lot of companies debuting some new products, new services, and new products. pieces of equipment at next week's farm progress show. So it'll be interesting to see what you are able to line up as far as some interviews and insight goes for our listeners. 
Yeah, it'll be uh, interesting. As you see, there are plenty of things to see. It's kind of neat as you sign up as media to get all the news releases and press release information. And everybody wants you to be at their booth at the same time. So it'll be uh, a fun and exciting couple of days. We also saw the Surface Transportation Board, also known as STB, is requiring BNSF Railway Company to transport coal from the Navajo Transitional Energy Company in Montana the mine there to Canada for export after the NTEC alleged that the railroad company had breached common carrier obligations. In turn, BNSF filed a lawsuit asking the courts to set aside the STB's order in a stay for the case. The dispute comes as Congress has yet to act on the Reliable Rail Service Act, which would establish specific criteria for the STB to navigate under. On June 23rd, the STB issued their primary injunction requiring BNSF to transport 4.2 million tons of coal from the, the Spring Creek mine in Montana. STB also required the transport of an additional 1 million tons when train sets and crews are available. This comes out to be about 23 trains per month, Delaney, so that's not a small task to take on. Of course, BNSF states right now that they don't have the staff to handle this workload. So it'll be interesting to see now what comes out of this. On August 14th, the stay was denied, and that was due to a three to two vote. They denied the petition for a partial stay, saying that BNSF had failed to show that there was irreparable harm and the stay was not granted. So even though they don't have the staff, so they claim, that is not a good enough excuse to not have this coal move. So another interesting one for us to keep an eye on. Well, Tanner, this week we're going to see a lot of attention focused on the Kansas City Federal Reserve meeting going on in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, where the district will host its annual symposium for the Fed. This symposium, Tanner, typically features a long list of academic speakers, but not so much, it sounds like, for actually folks that are working out in the industry, so to speak. This could also be, however, a good indicator of what the Federal Reserve is going to do as far as interest rates and inflation and how to tackle inflation moving forward, Tanner. And I know you're going to be somewhere next week with the Reserve. I'm trying to remember where now. Isn't that this next week? No, I've already been there and back. Oh. This is, oh, yeah. uh, okay. that's correct. Nope, next week's Farm Progress show only. Okay, I got mixed up for a second. But anyway, the uh, Kansas City Federal Reserve will meet and should see some sentiment coming out of that meeting. Yes, most certainly. It'll be interesting to see because early anticipations uh, just expect reports to be mixed, uh, but we'll continue to keep an eye on there. Last headlines that I have for today are coming from Ukraine and Russia. The Netherlands will give 40 F-16 fighter jets to Ukraine. This comes after President Zelensky announced the 19 pledged by Denmark. Ukrainian pilots have already begun training on U.S.-made jets and look to take over and create air superiority when they encounter Russian air forces. Two people were injured in Russia after a, they downed two Ukrainian drones near Moscow this morning. And the situation might be difficult, but Ukraine is hoping to get its grain shipments moving again. They've been in discussions with insurance companies to be able to insure the cargo that's leaving. 
They've talked to the world's largest insurance to cover ships traveling back and forth from its ports in the Black Sea. This is a crucial step to getting the full resumption of vital grain exports. They're working on getting the mechanisms in place that follows Russia's withdrawal from the Black Sea Grain Initiative. The collapse of that deal, obviously, which was originally brokered by Turkey and the United Nations, has already pushed up global food prices, especially in some countries that were very directly affected by these food shipments. We'll continue to watch and see if there's any progress there as well. Last piece. Putin, who is facing international arrest warrants, will not be attending the BRICS summit in person. He will be doing that virtually, which, according to writers, states speaks volumes about Moscow's isolation and the shrinking horizons of possibility in the future. So, again, some weekend updates there, but that's what I've got for today. Is it because, Tanner, if he goes, he could face arrest? That's what I was gathering. I skimmed that article, but it appeared as though he would be potentially uh, uh, available for mm. those warrants to be uh, turned in. I wondered that, too, when you were reporting that headline, but it wasn't for sure. But uh, that's interesting. You're just going to avoid it to avoid arrest. But I had a, one other quick headline here related to the Russia-Ukraine story as well. Uh, Ukraine officials, it sounds like, are close to reaching an agreement to help subsidize insurance for grain carriers, because as we know, insurance prices have skyrocketed and many companies, Tanner, are not willing to provide insurance because of the increased risk with especially the recent attacks we've seen at grain ports. However, the subsidy that Ukraine officials will offer to grain carriers will help get more grain out of those corridors, they said. And it really helps keep grain moving to the areas that certainly need it. So citing humanitarian efforts once again, but it sounds like several ships trapped at Ukrainian ports since the start of the war have reportedly used a different channel to leave Ukraine. And so this agreement would help subsidize those high insurance rate for shippers. I didn't realize this piece, Tanner, but insurance rates have gone up 500% for Whoa. those folks. So that's certainly an increased cost for everyone. So they're trying to figure out the best way to help mitigate that moving forward. Yeah, I didn't realize they had gone up that much. I would assume due to the inflated risk, the rates had gone up, uh, but not to that level. Absolutely. I had not realized that either. Uh, last headline I have here, Tanner, is rural broadband is back in the headlines as it's gotten some big support from the USDA. The White House announced a $677 million grant for high-speed internet service in rural areas in 22 different states and the Marshall Islands, which I found a little odd, but the fourth round of funding, um, this is the fourth round of funding, I should say, focused on rural broadband. The USDA so far has put about $3.1 billion into 179 rural broadband projects over the last two years. And this latest $677 million grant will be available for loans and grants to help with internet service and internet service providers in those 22 states. So this is part of the ReConnect program, Tanner, that we've been focused on sharing here over the last two years. Very nice. Thank you for sharing that. Now it's probably about time to get into our markets conversation. First, where are we seeing markets close at today? 
Well, Tanner, things are looking a little mixed as we head into closing market session here today. September corn down 10 and a half cents at 469. Dees new crop corn also down 10 and a half at 482 and a quarter. Soybeans, however, were having the opposite story as they added a little positivity here to this Monday afternoon. September soybeans added seven cents at 1369 and three quarters. Nov new crop beans up eight and a half cents at 1361. In the wheat complex, they're certainly having a down day today as September hard red winter wheat shed 14 and three quarters cents at 738 and three quarters. September Chicago wheat down 14 and a half cents at 599. And September spring wheat down 20 and a quarter cents at 782 and a half. Livestock markets Tanner for today are closing mostly on the higher note, aside from our lean hog markets. October live cattle added a dollar oh five to close at a buck seventy nine eighty seven. September feeder cattle up a dollar eighty at two fifty thirty two and a half. And October lean hogs added a dollar, excuse me, shed a dollar fifty to close today at eighty sixty two and a half. Tanner, for today's Market Monday conversation, we're kicking things over to a conversation with Jeff French. With the Farm Smart podcast, we're not just talking change, we're making change together. Farm Smart is where sustainability meets opportunity. We're helping growers leverage sustainable practices and products to record positive environmental impacts and provide new revenue streams. Tune in to learn more about sustainable ag and the opportunities and incentives that are enabling us to get to the future faster. Get the Farm Smart podcast on your favorite streaming platform or at nutrientactsolutions.com slash farmsmart. Well, folks, we are chatting today with Jeff French of aghedgers.com. Jeff, certainly appreciate your time today as we hop into chat markets. Jeff, markets are mixed today in the grain complex. What is the headline driving the story today? Well, you know, we I was a little perplexed perplexed uh delaney why we gapped higher to begin sunday night um you know there was really nothing new out there i mean we knew the hot and dry temperatures that were going to bake the midwest here for the next three or four days i mean that was already in the market uh last week at above five dollars um that's about the fifth or sixth time here this month that we've been above five dollars in december and it just simply it's it's major resistance and it just does not like staying above five dollars and in six or seven of the last times it's it doesn't stay above six five dollars very long so uh that was more of the same there last night now uh the way it closed though i mean we were down 10 cents 482 um that was just a demoralizing close technically upside down day on the charts uh it made a new low compared to friday's low and closed below friday's low uh which is 484 and three quarters so we close at 482 so i you know technically very weak action the reasonings you can say a couple things number one the funds are short um they are betting on higher very low lack of demand this time of year uh, everybody knows that we're still you know four to six weeks out from you know seasonally typically uh, a, a harvest low, so they're going to stay on down the sidelines, the end users. And, and then today was the first day of the pro for, pro farmer crop tour, and uh, you know it, it's kind of finding what we expected: uh, highly variable crops. But in South Dakota, there were some really good crops, uh, especially in the beans. Um, 
So it's not showing that disaster out there. And I don't think anybody was expecting the disaster, but maybe a little lighter yields. Now, the market knows that, you know, typically pro farmer does underestimate the final yield of the USDA just because uh, here we are, you know, third week of August. I mean, the crop is still adding test weight. The, the pods are still being filled. So uh, the market knows that whenever they do report Friday with their yield, that typically the USDA will be a little bit above that come January. But was a day in the corn and wheat. Uh, but the beans were able to hold the high. Now they did close 20 cents off their highs, uh, closed the gap from earlier this month. Uh, up there at 1375, um, traded up to 1381, and then kind of uh, backed off with the corn and the wheat. So, you know, the beans have rallied 80 cents here in the last four trading sessions. I actually put out uh, a cash sale recommendation on beans. I mean, if you can sell some uh, $13 beans off the combine, uh, we won't let that thing slide because if you look at a long term chart on this uh, November bean chart, I mean, $14. I know we've traded above it, but $14 long-term has just been a very big uh, kind of a glass ceiling. I mean, it just it gets up to it there and kind of fails. So we took advantage of it. Um, crop radiance here tonight, not expected to show maybe a little bit of deterioration, but the trade right now, it is late August, those crop ratings are less and less weight as we move forward here. Yeah, you mentioned early on that uh, – the end users is really not going to drive a lot of demand right now, but we have seen ethanol margins maintain pretty positive standpoint, and we've seen a lot of ethanol production, haven't we? Well, the ethanol production has kind of tapered off here a little bit here recently in the last couple of weeks, but gas and demand has been strong. I mean, we're, we're kind of ending summer here. Kids are getting back to school, so uh, the families are kind of doing that last uh, trip or last hurrah here before uh, – back to school season begins. So uh, the gasoline demand has been solid, uh, which is obviously translating to more ethanol demand. But, you know, we had, we, we had Mexico, uh, they purchased corn here today. I mean, they've been steady, number one buyer as always. Um, but we're just not seeing those other places that we typically sell corn here in the next four to six weeks, because, you know, yeah, we might, our yield might come down, you know, from that 176, 175 area down to 172. But, with the added uh, acres that the USDA is saying that we planted out there, we're still dealing with, you know, uh, over a 2 billion bushel carryout. So uh, if that is true, uh, you know, $5 corn is probably pretty expensive if, if it is a 2 billion bushel carryout. Yes. Yeah, so Jeff, with that being said, you know, we saw some movement today to the upside in soybeans, but really do we have much upside potential left here? Or do you think this is the final hurrah before we head into, into harvest? Well, I think it, you know, pods are, pods are being filled right now. Obviously it's, it's hot and dry. If we can get some rains after this week, which is not really right now, the forecast not real promise on that in the Midwest here the next 10 to 14 days. So um, with a 245, 250 million bushel carryout in the new crop beans, uh, if the demand stays the way, you know, the USDA said it is, you know, there's really not too much uh, room uh, for us to decrease this yield because then it just continues to strip out that production. And, and, you know, you guys know, but, you know, the USDA started with a record yield 
at 52 bushels of the acre. Now they're just on, just below 51. So, you know, this this fall, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised here in September if, if actually with this rain uh, that we've had through August that maybe the yield even goes up. But then as we go into the end of the year, they might be bringing that yield down. So I, I just think it's going to be awfully hard this year with the amount of variability uh, to pinpoint this yield until we get to the final report in January. But there's really start stripping that uh, yield lower, uh, that carryout gets precariously very tight. And, it, and it's already tight right now. So as our listeners are sitting here knowing that there's not great demand news and we're looking at some quality production on U.S. crops, what are some factors that might be able to push this thing higher over the next coming weeks? Well, overnight, and this 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 also uh, benefited the soybeans. The Chinese economy is in, in, you know, in shambles, in my opinion. But they are trying to battle that with uh, cutting interest rates, and they had another emergency cut overnight. Short term, that's very friendly. I mean, that makes our uh, beans a little bit cheaper. Maybe they come in and start buying some of our uh, grains for export. Um, but longer term, you know, we are going into hard and we're still, you know, a couple weeks away of putting in a seasonal low. So I like to take advantage of an 80 cent rally in four days. I, I'll, I'll sell a little cash, but then I, I will follow that up is if we do get a close above $14, we'll start to buy some of those bushels back out into January in case this thing wants to keep rallying. So, you know, the corn, you know, it's hard. We were down 10 here today, but last night when we were on our highs, we were 30, 32 cents off the recent lows. So, you know, beans typically move in dollars. Corn typically moves in quarters cents. So uh, any 25, 30 cent rally in corn or 75 to a dollar rally in beans, you got to be looking at making some cash sales, especially this time of year. And that's exactly what we did. Yeah, Jeff, I didn't realize that China was dealing with such strong economic issues right now. Of course, they're dealing with inflation just like the U.S. and many other countries. But I read something this morning that said, uh, like 20% uh, foreclosures in the last week or something along those same lines, but definitely having some big economic problems like you hinted at there. What's that going to do to change the Fed's tone later this week when they meet? And do you think we'll see any sort of reflection in any U.S. reports? I, I don't. I I think, you know, we're, we're still on this pattern of, um, you know, and, and I'm looking at it from the Fed's fan- standpoint. I mean, what they want to do is they want to slow down labor. And, and the, the labor participation rate in our country uh, has not slowed down one bit. I mean, there's still plenty of jobs out there for anybody that wants to work. Uh, the problem is a lot of people just don't want to work. So, I, I you know, they're using a hammer to fix this thing. Uh, and that's the only thing they have is, is the ability to cut rates or increase rates. Uh, and that's really disruptive to many markets. So, that they continue to raise rates here. Um, I, I think we're going to have a real hard time with the stock market coming this fall, but we'll just have to see here. But I, I, I'm not uh, very friendly on the world economies, um, especially what's going on with China. And, and, you know, they try to cover up everything. So uh, a bad Chinese economy is going to have ripple effects throughout the world. Yeah, that is certainly something we're going to keep an eye on. And but does that have any effect on the meats? What type of news are we trading there? 
Well, so the cattle, farm of cattle, we had the cattle on feed there Friday. No major surprises. The the placements number, I mean, the, the cattle numbers are extremely tight. That's another reason. Uh, we just have low number of on feed. That means less demand on the corn and on the meal side as well. So that's a little bearish on the grains. But uh, um, from a standpoint on fundamentally on the cattle, the tight numbers are continue. Uh, they're going to continue get into the tight here at the end of the year this year. Um, we came in report five days lower in a row. That was actually the, the, the biggest, longest sell-off, five consecutive lower closes since last September. Um, and then we got, you know, kind of a uh, um, friendly report, maybe, maybe not outright bullish, but it was friendly. It was supportive. And then you saw the fat cattle turn around here, obviously corn down 10 prices. That's going to help boost feeder cattle as well. Um, what's going to be telling is if these beef, beef prices can keep up with and, and continue to garner demand from the American consumer. Right now, they, they, it continues. People are eating beef. Um, but, you know, we just surpassed $1 trillion in credit card debt for U.S. consumers. You know, how long uh, will the American consumer continue to buy on credit? And that's anybody's guess. I mean, we, we, we haven't seen this here for many years. I just uh, – these these have been extremely good. The fundamental story in the cattle is well known. We've been talking about tight numbers here for the last 8, 10, 12 months. Uh, it's what the demand's going to do. So uh, from my standpoint, we look like we've plateaued up here. Uh, we're locking in everything out to June of next year. Uh, with some downside protection as in put options. We don't want to cap the upside. If this thing wants to run another $10, we want to partake in that. Uh, but we will uh, lock in the floor in case this thing wants to move lower. Um, but, yeah, looking at the hogs, you know, Chinese hog prices continue to just fall out of bed. Uh, that is definitely driving uh, some of our futures lower. This December um, hog contract traded above 75 cents there for about two months, and then we broke it there last week. And right now, what was support becomes resistance, and we got good resistance. Well, Jeff, before we let you go, if folks want to pick your brain on the markets or just find out a little bit more about what you're thinking here, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, you can uh, hit me up on Twitter at Ag Hedgers uh, or uh, call me here in the office at 312-217-0122. Awesome. Well, Jeff, thanks again for joining us today. Certainly appreciate your time. Yes. Thank you guys. Anytime. With the Farm Smart podcast, we're not just talking change, we're making change together. Farm Smart is where sustainability meets opportunity. We're helping growers leverage sustainable practices and products to record positive environmental impacts and provide new revenue streams. Tune in to learn more about sustainable ag and the opportunities and incentives that are enabling us to get to the future faster. Get the FarmSmart podcast on your favorite streaming platform or at NutrientActSolutions.com slash FarmSmart. Well, Delaney, that was another great Market Monday conversation. Don't forget, subscribe to FarmSmart podcast on your favorite streaming platform or at NutrientActSolutions.com slash FarmSmart. Delaney? Absolutely. And be sure you hit subscribe to the Ag News Daily Podcast so you don't miss any new episodes we have coming later this week. Tanner, with that, should we let the folks go? Let's let them go. 